It's a condition of mental divergence. I find myself on the planet Ogo, part of an intellectual elite, preparing to subjugate the barbarian hordes on Pluto. But even though this is a totally convincing reality for me in every way, nevertheless, Ogo is actually a construct of my psyche. Memory has always fascinated filmmakers. Our memories and our dreams are how the human mind processes the things we've seen and heard throughout the day. And they play out in our head like movies. Our minds are also the place that the surreal becomes the possible. Of our modern directors, the director who has leaned furthest into the surreal is Terry Gilliam. Gilliam started as an animator and illustrator who moved to England in the late 1960s. He renounced his US citizenship, becoming a British subject, and ended up working on a children's show called Do Not Adjust Your Set, where he met Eric Idle, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin. One day, as Don was scurrying across the kitchen floor, he was squashed. When that show ended, they collectively started one of the most famous comedy groups in history, Monty Python. Gilliam did their famously surreal and grotesque animations that they used to transition between sketches. All right, everybody, stay close, stay together. Don't lag behind. Come on, keep together, everybody. Remember, watch out for the killer cars. Yes, the killer cars. For years, the city had been plagued by ever-increasing pedestrian congestion. Gilliam made his directorial debut, co-directing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. As the horrendous black beast lunged forward, escape for Arthur and his knights seemed hopeless. When suddenly, the animator suffered a fatal heart attack. But the cartoon peril was no more. Simultaneously with his work on Monty Python, he began working on his solo directorial career, starting with Jabberwocky, which starred Michael Palin, and Time Bandits, which we covered on a previous episode. In 1985, he directed his most surrealist and notorious film, Brazil. Gilliam believed he had final cut, although that wasn't officially in the contract, and he and Universal engaged in a notorious public war over control of the project, which was way over budget by that time. He thought he'd have the final word and made the Battle of Brazil public. He placed a full-page ad in Variety. He arranged illegal screenings for the L.A. Critics Circle. After Monty Python and the Meaning of Life came out, the group stopped working together, and Gilliam began directing a trilogy of more critically acclaimed and less absurdist movies. And now for something completely different. Second in that trilogy is our film tonight. The Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt science fiction time travel thriller, 12 Monkeys. The script for 12 Monkeys is one of the first times Terry Gilliam directed but didn't write, and it was based on the 1962 Chris Mocker short film, La Jete. Et que cet instant qui lui avait été donné de voir enfant, et qui n'avait pas cessé de l'obséder. Logite works in extremely broad strokes, and is ironically far more experimental than Terry Gilliam's version. The basic outline is that it follows a man living in post-apocalyptic Paris after World War III, who is plagued by a dream where he watches his own death as a child. Originally, Twelve Monkeys was envisioned with a cast of unknown actors, but after the studio wanted to cast a known quantity, Bruce Willis is cast as James Cole. James Cole is plagued by a similar dream and living underground after a virus kills 5 billion people in 1996 and makes the earth unlivable. James Cole is sent back in time to collect a specimen and to attempt to trace the origin of the virus so it can be cured in the present. Or is that the story? Could James Cole just be insane in imagining all of this? 
Brad Pitt plays the sinister Jeffrey Goins. What are we for then? We are consumers. Ah, okay, okay, buy a lot of stuff. You're a good citizen. But if you don't buy a lot of stuff, if you don't, what are you then, I ask? What? Whose father, played by Christopher Plummer, is a virologist whose lab contains the virus that wiped out humanity. I took myself out of the loop. Too late! Too late! <laughs> Somehow, Jeffrey is connected to the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, who the future scientists believe let the virus out in order to kill humanity. Madeline Stowe plays James Cole's put-upon psychiatrist, who he drags along on his fact-finding mission. Terry Gilliam did not watch Logite before directing this. Although Gilliam saw unknown actors, both Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt were both seeking to define themselves as serious actors, not just celebrities who happen to act in movies. This made them far more open to Gilliam's more immersive directorial style. We decided we, he really had to train for this role because his voice didn't have the qualities needed to do it. And Brad worked really hard at this. Around like this, like this, like this, and they need to know, and they need to know something. You got to tell them. You got to wake them up. You got to go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And man doesn't like two, does he? He doesn't like number two. It makes him itch. Truth. Bruce Willis's history with the Die Hard franchise rocketed him to superstardom, but also typecast him as an action movie star who traveled around with an entourage and a portable gym setup. I, I explained when, if we we're going to do this film when we first met. I said you can't bring the entourage. You can't do any of that stuff. You've got to be naked. naked. You're naked time, right? right now. Brad Pitt would break through during the filming of 12 Monkeys as both Legend of the Fall and Interview with the Vampire would be released in 1994. Yes. When? Now. Now, Jim. Now. Yes. Now. Buy. Sell. Stop. Buy. Purchase. Sell. Yes. No more monkey business. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal and the frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends is done touring until December 30th, but you can find all their music at neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Renee Rune. Host of the Night Shift podcast with friend of show Bonnie Burton. You can find her many, many projects, including Ruin Radio, where she does mixtapes, and her writing at ReneeRune.com. I, of course, am your long suffering host, Forrest Miller. Without further ado, let's get started. The part of Renee Ruin tonight will be played by this plush shark. Oh, I was going to say by me, and I was going to have this up and go, Crikey! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that works, too. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm living down under right now. Oi, mate. <laughs> <laughs> A dingo stole my baby. <laughs> oh, my God, the crocs, the crocs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no Renee tonight, of course, but, uh, we'll, we'll have her back soon enough. Um, 12 Monkeys is great. Gilliam's yeah. awesome. Yes. 
I can't believe I haven't forced all of us into watching Brazil, which is pretty much one of my top favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, you didn't I do don't it quite for understand a, this, a last... this word forced. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't do it for our last, uh, <laughs> our last This Is Revolution episode. Don't think I didn't consider it, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, eventually we will. It's, I mean, it is one of my favorites of all time. But uh, Terry Gilliam, it's weird. I'm, I'm so into the movies of his that he's done. I'll sometimes forget that he got to start a Monty Python. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I forget the. Ob- I feel like they're almost two different people. Like there's a yeah. there's a Monty Python Terry Gilliam who I grew up watching, and my brother's favorite yeah. clip ever was the um, the animator had a heart attack. And he, right. would, he would rewind it like 30 or 40 <laughs> times. He would just make us watch it over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and all respect and love for that work. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, the early work with the on, on the TV show and Holy Grail's obviously an all timer. But yeah, like you look at like movies like Brazil and like 12 Monkeys and it's like, whoa, all right. All right. This is like some auteur style filmmaking here. Like this is it's wild. Yeah. So Great. I have this, I have this that he put together or he made two documentarians put together to uh and I'll be and I'll be referencing <laughs> he compelled them to do so. Like I well, will he do got, he had these two documentarians Brazil. follow him making 12 monkeys just in case something yeah. happened. He could go back to the tape and look at it like to like show the studio like no that's not what happened which is a kind of like pretty oh, this, is, this is them introing their uh documentary about why he, why Gilliam forced them to make it. He did that same thing uh, with the uh, Don Quixote movie that he was trying to make. I think he does it every time now. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Terry's experiences in Hollywood have not always been pleasant. In 1985, Terry delivered Brazil to Universal. Universal didn't like the film and decided to shorten it and try out a happier ending. Though Terry didn't have final cut, he thought he'd have the final word and made the Battle of Brazil public. He placed a full-page ad in Variety. He arranged illegal screenings for the L.A. Critics Circle. You can tell how much grievance goes into this, like his own When the film won the L.A. Critics Best Picture Award, Universal released Terry's version of Brazil. In 1987, Terry began work on the adventures of Baron Munchausen. The production was plagued with disasters and expensive ideas. The studio found the film too confusing for mass appeal, and to avoid spending even more money, it put little effort into Munchausen's marketing campaign. As a result, the film floundered at the box office, and Terry was left with a bad reputation in Hollywood. After Munchausen, I just went into a big depression about filmmaking, period. And then Fisher King came along, and it was a script, the first one that I hadn't been involved in the writing of, and I really liked it. And it was the easiest film I've ever made, and one of the most enjoyable, and it was successful. Very dangerous stuff, this. <laughs> and uh, and then I went and got a Hollywood uh, agent. Now I've got a Hollywood lawyer as well. There's an ironic aspect of this whole thing because you know, Brazil was made for Universal Pictures. 
On the other hand, I'm in a situation on this film where I got final cut. I got control of it. And that's all I've ever wanted is control of it. And I seem to have it on this one. Terry's asked us to make a documentary about the making of 12 Monkeys. The boys, the gentlemen, the artists, the documentarians. It's a big moment. It's the birth of a great documentary. He's jokingly suggested that if anything should go wrong, at least this time he'll have witnesses. <laughs> That's the spirit. Yeah. No, so you can tell like the level of grievance well, he goes into telling his yeah. But I get it. Look, like how how they did him dirty on Brazil, like the movie that they attempted to present to people is like it's a travesty. It, it's a different movie. Like it's it's not it's not the work of art that he made. And to have somebody like turn your uh this artistic statement of like the grandiose extravagant um uh enthusiastic storytelling masterpiece into like a mcdonald's pretty much yeah and, <laughs> like and, i get and, it like i'd have a documentary crew follow me around too to make sure they weren't you know <laughs> yeah and, and because you know the entire time um they're like audience testing everything right like and yeah. so he like he like they put a happy that. ending yeah. on brazil which for those that haven't seen the movie, it's fantastic. But the the ending is like what makes it good. And the ending is not happy. It's not a, it's supposed to be a happy ending. A happy ending is like, it's like, did you see this movie? Did you understand like what happened in any part here? Anyway. He ends up getting into a similar fight onto this because the guy he's producing it with wants to put a different ending than his ending. So I think he had a, I think he had a traumatic, um, which he ended up liking this. The ending on this is the ending that the producer wanted to put on where, you know, he's getting into the car in, in the parking lot or whatever. But like, I think he had a flashback to, you know, how dirty they did him on Brazil and ends right. up like getting into a war with his co-producer slash writer that he's like, I'm going to do this my way. And he's like, dude, I have an idea for this. That, like, I think it's going to be better. They ended yeah. up shooting the guy's idea and it was better. But um, I guess that's relinquishing some control or maybe not because I mean, you know, he does, uh, yeah. he, he was the one that in the end said, fine, let's do this. But yeah, I, I mean, like it's, it's look, I know that it was, I've seen the film that it was based on the short film, you know, the, the slideshow mm -hmm. is based on, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is, it's a great slideshow. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, um, uniquely terry gilliam and in a way that like i don't think this movie cooks as much if it's someone that's not terry gilliam and one of the reasons why is because there's a repeated theme with a lot of his stuff uh man of la mancha inclusive where it's like oh is this adventure even real or is this like all in his head like that's like yeah. a thing that he does there's charitably we can call it a repeated theme <laughs> right like they, and then then there can be and it's even in time band it's uh, to a certain degree but there's like elements of the fantastical that show up and like you're like sometimes left the viewer and be like, is that, is that for real? Is that, did that, is that actually? And I like that throughout this one, uh, Bruce Willis is even questioning it. Like, probably, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, he's like, I, I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I am crazy. Like I managed to out logic my own brain. Like, doesn't that kind of prove that, you know, none of this is actually going on. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, I saw someone in the comments say it was like their favorite time travel movie. And, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. It's up there. Like it's, um, it's absolutely hits on a different level because, like, it's it's very much a time travel movie, very much an apocalypse movie, but also none of those things. And that's one of the reasons why it's what's great. Don't watch Brazil under the influence, mm -hmm. like I did. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> that's to be fair. That sounds terrible. God, that's, like, that's like guaranteed to have a bad trip. That's. I also, I, I like how I like how this movie um saying like it's up there with Fifth Element. Like uh, like I, I like yeah, how yeah. this movie it kind of predicts um you know that later on like the Sixth Sense will blow up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. At that one point, he turns around. He's like, "All I see are dead people." And I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, M Night was in the theater taking notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> What what if what if it really what if it really was what if all he saw were dead people you know what let's do that let's make a movie about that yeah, and then build a career on it out of one good idea I mean also uh, the the Christmas shots in this are straight out of fucking all well, Die Hard happened first but like there's like a, yeah. a kind of Die Hard element where he's looking up and the and the, the like the um the the angels going up or whatever and like they what look up at the top of the building and. Die Hard, I think, is 87. Di- Die Hard is 87. Is Fifth Element after this or before? Yes, I after can't even it. remember. It's after, it, was, it was pretty around the same time. Yeah, right? it's, it's like 97. almost, yeah. Because this was like early 95. 95. 12 Monkeys is 95. Fifth Element comes after this. Right, okay. So so, so I'm getting, that makes sense, right? Because because at the time, nobody thought, like, people know now that Brad Pitt is both a handsome dude and a great character actor, right? But, it, but this is one of the movies that, like, people are like, oh, no, he's... Yeah, he's actually good. Like he's not just like a handsome dude. Not which and like what I love about this character he plays too is like he purposely like just like actually looks like schizophrenic. Like like actually like like his eye like what they do with the with his eye and then like like it's small. If you've ever had someone, what he did with his eye, the the contact that he put in was actually his idea. Was it his idea? Because like because you've ever known someone that has those. those attributes there's a very specific and unsettling thing uh, uh, around being around them and he freaking nails it like yeah, i mean like, like to the point that like of course everybody gave him props because it's like whoa what's up with that guy and you're like whoa that's that same guy from uh thelma and louise and all that i mean jesus <laughs> like, and, that- and this is so they followed him around when he was training for some of that and like he, he actually went to mental health people and talked to them and had like doctors actually explaining to him like what a you know what someone who's going through cool. that would be like and he went through voice training where the guy was teaching him how to speed up his voice because you know he has naturally that like yeah when he's when he's doing voice. that kind of like it is a bop, 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 but yeah. zipping through everything like it seems very naturally or natural which <laughs> it is not it is not very natural he it's not very natural at all but he like, worked his ass off to do it, yeah, do it. i think it's fortuitous on the producers parts to have signed brad pitt when they did because when they signed him probably three four months ago interviewing the vampire still hadn't hit theaters legends of the fall still hadn't hit theaters and all of a sudden that all happened three four weeks before we started filming and they've got the hottest guy in hollywood So, I mean, then we'll give time for Roz and Joey to get up and, and make their way over there. And once everybody's over there, then back comes the Pied Piper. Right. <laughs> way, out of the chair. One of the interesting things about this film was to get Brad Pitt to play a character very unlike anything we've ever seen him play before. I mean, somebody fast and furious and neurotic and frenzied. And uh, we decided we, he really had to train for this role because his voice didn't have the qualities needed to do it. And Brad worked really hard at this. Around like this, like this, like this, and they need to know, and they need to know something. You got to tell them. You got to wake them up. You got the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And man doesn't like two, does he? He doesn't like number two. It makes him itch. Truth is not how you see it or how I see it or they see it. Or see it. There's just a truth. There's a truth, and you either see it or you don't. Excellent. Okay. Hope it's useful to you. So what else? What else can you tell me? 
Well, um, I think some of the dis distraction, the motor movement. Kind of, I mean, if we're staying with a manic kind of right, right, role, right. Uh, you know, some of some of the motor stuff. I would expect you to get up and probably pace around a little bit, move around more, move around a little bit more. We can go more, much more irritable. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I like how they both have the They're cups of coffee or whatever on the, on the table too. Like the lady. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you right, right. She's kind of a happy man. Right. And then there are angry manics who are who are more irritable. We don't have to do something now. Now's the time for all the men to seize the moment. Moment. <laughs> 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 and the opportunities they got. Oh, oh, they really dosed Jim. Major load. I mean, we know we've got big name stars to open the film. Whether it opens it the right way and lets the audience know what they're in for, that's something else. I'm more worried about the first couple previews we're going to have when the, the studio sees it and the audience sees it and everybody panics. <laughs> it's going to be very different than they expected. And then the shit's going to hit the fan and the panic starts and then the pressure is going to be on. And then they will even more, the more they feel that, the more they will push the selling of it as a Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt movie. But it is how the film got made, by putting some stars in it. And both those guys kill. Bye. <laughs> Show. Great. Now. <laughs> now, Jim. Now. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> if, if you remember, uh, uh, you know, after this, he also did a double zone where he he did a uh, a pretty oh, a pretty good uh, yeah. um, uh, Irish dialect. And apparently uh, Entertainment Weekly did a, did a series where they, they uh, uh, went to a bar in Dublin. And they just yeah. showed a bunch of uh, movies where Americans did uh, Irish <laughs> accents. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, they they said that uh, Brad Pitt came across like a Dubliner in that film. So he, he puts in the work. Um, he does. Uh, uh, it's uh, look. I don't want to get into a, talking too much about Guy Ritchie. Uh, I, I do like the. Uh, <laughs> I do like the um, uh, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, and Snatch a lot. In Snatch, though, like he's. Like that's the reason to watch that movie is for Brad Pitt basically is chewing it up as like yeah. um completely incomprehensible. In like a Z <laughs> but like in the way that like that is a social coping mechanism uh, for uh th those those people who are a disenfranchised people amongst disenfranchised people and treated as lesser amongst lesser. That part of the thing is they don't want people to know what they're talking about. And like it's peak. Like he he learned a lot of like what he learned a lot with uh, portraying like the, you know the schizophrenic character the borderline character here is that he could like then apply that to other things and it's done to great effect again snatch is not a fantastic work of art let's be clear like nothing Guy Ritchie does yeah. is it's the same There's thing with Devil's Own like like Devil's yeah, Own it's, it's, the only time it's going to get brought up on this so channel you know you can throw yeah. if, it's, if, it's, if it's on you can watch it and you're like I had a good time watching that but it's, yeah it's not yeah yeah. No, but, but I will say this: performance is, is where it's at. His performance know, in that is just like Jesus Christ, dude! <laughs> like it's so. And and then going back and I, and I saw that somewhat recently. And going back and seeing so much, which I I mean, when this came out, this was like my my favorite movie. Like it, like whatever year this came out in, I was I was like, this is the best. And he still kills it. Like like again, like the odd eye, even like the small little choices of just like, oh, this this dude is like not right. <laughs> a lot of those. This isn't a, a dude small, playing crazy. A lot this of those is small choices were Brad Pitt's ideas. Like, I really, love that. 
he really put a lot into uh, kind of figuring out this character. I mean, talking to doctors as well, talking to the guy voice training him and stuff, like trying to figure all that out, but also on his own, like he, he really, um, he tracked Terry Gilliam down in London and like begged him to be in this movie. Like it was his, he didn't even like audition for it. He like found Terry Gilliam sitting in London and was That's like, awesome. I hear Trump <laughs> call him. coming on and like, I, I want to be part of this. And so it, it's it, like his role in this, I think is really interesting for that reason. It's something that he clearly really, really wanted. Yeah, well, because and think about his perspective, right? Yeah, as as uh, Abby was saying in the in the comments, literally hottest guy in Hollywood. Yes, for sure. But that, that's the thing is the, his roles they were getting were like being professionally handsome, yes. right? And like, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, but like the thing is, the guy's an actual actor and wanted to act, and so this is one of the movies that established that he could do that. And yeah, that was his stated goal Bruce Willis. for Bruce Willis as well. And Bruce Willis uh, re only reinforced that with like. Um, uh, fifth element and uh later on sixth sense and, and whatnot but like yeah it, it was very wise on, and but it's 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 rare that you see two actors or actresses that are both kind of like having something to prove even though they already have a career yeah. for a movie this crazy and demented and i say that as a fan yeah <laughs> no and and for a director who's this uh who's like yeah. yeah not a safe bet you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like Fisher King was huge. Don't get me wrong. Fisher King is wonderful, but like Fisher King was a complete aberration. There's, there's nothing yeah. different about Fisher King that, about, than any of the rest of his stuff as far as tone and. See, same mood. thing with Time Bandits. Like, like Time Bandits shouldn't have been like the biggest British hit in America. Uh, for yeah, like, I mean, it's like last week or something. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, for me, it's it's the weakest of his good movies, but it's still very good. And but yes. it's like. It's something about being in the zeitgeist, like whatever. I mean, like I, I remember when this this came out. Uh, I was just graduating high school when it came out, and uh, yeah, I, I was like, "This is absolutely a movie for me." And then a lot of other people actually agreed for once. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so inscrutable. Like it's so like it's it's like it's off putting. Like it's it's protagonist. Like one of the first things he does is like kidnap a woman. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, like I mean, it's, there's so many like what? How are people along for this ride? You know, I like I like that uh, her role as a psychiatrist makes people take the Stockholm syndrome even less seriously. They're like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, you know and it's the guy from fucking SVU that she talks to. By the way, Madeline Stowe, who was like in everything for a minute, like she was yeah. in like every, and then it was just like gone. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like she, well, she was like. I mean, that's like, that happens. She was like. No, go ahead. I was gonna say she was. She was like your second call after Julia Roberts. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it, it's it's true right? with like uh, just about any woman in Hollywood. Like they'll have this yeah, moment, yeah, that's and true. because they age out of it, which is uh, which which is stupid. Unless um, unless they're Meryl Streep or something, right? Like Meryl. Yeah. Streep. Modern equivalent, Amy Adams, uh, you know, Aubrey Plaza. Well, I guess she's never been at that level, but but like you kind of have to do what what uh brad pitt and what um bruce willis did here and prove that you can actually act and even then it's still stacked against you because you yeah, become invisible after 40 because i mean look at, look at Gordy <laughs> weaver like Gordy weaver's had a career after 40 uh yeah. but, but like is it it's not the same it's not the quality of role she had when she was in her prime sure absolutely yeah and and that's and there's a Thank goodness there's a bunch of dudes talking about this. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's what I mean. It's completely true. But it, it, it's uh, getting, again, getting back to 12 Monkeys. It's crazy how madcap 
this film is and how so distinctly and like just uncut pure uncut peruvian flake terry gilliam this is uh and that also it's like was the proving ground for two leading men to prove that hey they actually they can actually do this yeah because i mean bruce willis was trying with like death becomes her if you remember that one yeah and it's fine but it's yeah, like no but the but rest like, of the cast is so great like he like it didn't really wasn't really he didn't yeah, really get a chance to do it. He was playing against type and, and was yeah. uh just didn't quite do it, but but like he, he kept trying to do other stuff. Um which he clearly which was... had 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 a taste for it, but yeah, it's it's it, but it's funny that like the the most like sort of outside the <laughs> the conventional wisdom choice is to is to do uh 12 monkeys because i'm sure reading the script it'd be like holy crap this sounds this sounds insane like what is well this? and he still gets to do what you know the, the stuff that bruce willis does best which is like fight a bunch of dudes like he gets a few yeah. of those scenes like he's not playing against type until you get to the meat of it where he's regressing into childhood pretty much and uh doing things like sticking his head out the fucking window i love yeah. that when he's sticking his head out the window like a dog when uh when she's playing the music and he's like ha 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 and it's like yeah. damn you really got bruce willis to do some shit for this movie well and it works too because the whole conceit of it is like maybe it's all in his head too right and then also like he's there's that kind of like pseudo psychological time loop if not actual time loop of, of like him like experiencing the traumatic best spoiler alert for a movie that came out in 1995 mm -hmm. uh you know that like <laughs> He sees this traumatic event that turns out to be extra traumatic the second go round. <laughs> you know, yeah, I he didn't survive it the second time. Yeah, it's, exactly. uh, it's, it's truly uh, intergenerational trauma, right? Like that phrase gets thrown <laughs> right. around a lot. Exactly. But... <laughs> Keep it in the um, family, real close. This is this is, this is uh, from that same documentary, though. I, I think this documentary is really interesting. Uh, this is Terry Gilliam and you know everybody talking about uh, Bruce Willis and nice and the budget because the budget is this, in the, is this in the extras for the like the Criterion extras or something or what, what is um it? I don't know I just found it on uh, I just like found it on the Wikipedia page they're like oh this documentary was shot and I was like oh let me see if I could find it it's probably definitely on the Criterion extras but um actually is this even on Criterion I could see this going either way I feel like Terry Gilliam kind of gets I think it was I don't think it is now because I tried to find it on there I think oh, it was for a time. Do you think that as the credits roll, the audience will have figured it out? Or are they going to be going home in their cars arguing about it? No, no, no. He could have done this. I wonder if They're do we want to make it, about it? Do we want to make Or are they going to be on a podcast in uh, you know, 27 <laughs> years? Figure it out that night on the way home or that it just remains ambiguous? The studio has been very strange on it because they put a cap on it because they feel it the time i think they feel it's an art movie they don't know what to make of it it doesn't fit in any genre or mold that makes sense to them and it was really only when they got bruce involved bruce willis that it became a more um, viable project they're obsessed about things like opening weekend and someone like bruce guarantees an opening weekend and so you know with him in it it became definite Here we go, stand by. Okay, let's roll. Okay, let's go. Terry completely insisted on final cut, and the studio said, well, okay, fine, as long as he delivers the movie no worse than an R rating and no more than no longer than two hours and 15 minutes, we'll <laughs> give him the final cut. But the, the financial responsibility will absolutely not be ours. This budget 
The discipline that was put on us that was not particularly pleasant, but which was a finite amount of money and much less than what we needed, forced us all to work to find solutions to try and make this movie within that, that, that budget. But we have a long script, we have a dense script, uh, we have a short schedule, we have a limited amount of money. And so inevitably you pay the price. The first bear that Terry chose was a ripoff. I mean, not the bear, but the owner of the bear was asking something ludicrous. Because a plasterer is uh, $350 a day. The driver is costing $2,800 a week. Well, the March Brothers are $10,000, the image of we could purchase either one of them for their rock bottom price of $7,500. This thing right now, I had a bid, it was at $20,000. Oh, it is. And I so I'm going to try I mean, I really and really don't get these prices. This kind of is, well, yeah. I'm like on the edge on every set. No, I know. That's why. I mean, we've got to find ways of. I tried this. <laughs> you really don't think about all those other prices, like, you know, the image of the Marx Brothers or like, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Well, these prices are these are some uh, some crazy prices that you got here. Yeah, I think they got the best bear actor too. I mean, Bart. Shout out, yeah, to Bart. Bart the Bear. Exactly, that's his his, his second appearance on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Gilliam's second appearance and Bart the Bear's second appearance. Right? <laughs> We're only going to cover the movies that both of them do. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yes. going to narrow us down, but we. I uh, I don't know why I recognized the fucking bear. Like when when the bear roared, I was like, that's that's definitely Bart the Bear. And then I looked it up and I was like. That is Bart the Bear. Holy it was shit. a very, uh, it was an at-large bear in uh, that time period in films. He was, listen. It was they, like Madeline Stowe and Bart the Bear had like the same career arc. <laughs> they had the same career arc, yeah. They, uh, they got the most wanted, you know, actor with uh, with Brad Pitt, you know, in the middle of the shooting. They got uh, Bruce Willis, top of the box office, and the most sought after bear. I must I must address this comment. 1995 was oddly one of the more figurable years of that decade. Uh, not in terms of film, uh, 1995, other movies from, from 1995, seven usual suspects, dead man, living in oblivion, desperado, casino, safe casino, heat, brave heart, Lahane, and of course, Canadian bacon. Who can forget Canadian bacon? And uh, and showgirls, <laughs> showgirls. I, like uh, I, don't <laughs> I, I don't recognize showgirls. I don't recognize that as our most popular episode. And I don't recognize it as a movie. And it's not our it's not our most popular episode anymore. Uh, it's and been far out. Was. It's been far outstripped by the one we did on the Naked Gun Two and a Half: The Smell of Fear. Well, as long as I'm not on it, that's what makes it popular. Is I'm not on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just it's just. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what makes it popular. Like it has eighteen thousand. It is eighteen thousand views, and I have no idea why. That like it, it's just far outstripped. Every, like I, I get like daily notifications. They're like, oh, more people read this episode. And I was like, what about the one we just did? Yeah, what, what, what about literally any of the rest of them? Nope, just that one. It's, it's Natalie Sure stands, I guess. I don't know. Well, she's got stands and she's got a lot of haters. I guess we tapped into a maybe that's a, it. Maybe it's hay watches. Yeah. I, I don't know. But anyway, point of fact is 95 was a was, hey, I, I love that. 95 was a very strong year for films. Um, and again, also strong year for fucking Brad Pitt, because Brad Pitt was in seven the same year. <laughs> Toy Story. This is like movies top top 50 films of 1995. Seven's obviously the first one. Yeah. Second one is Toy Story, the third one is 12 Monkeys. 
That's yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's Brad. Some some oh, cartoons. Oh, cool. The, the fourth one is uh, Before Sunrise. That's that's cool. Dead Man. Yeah, there's a. Uh, wait, let me let me throw this up on screen. Uh, yeah, yeah, please do. This is their this is their ranking of. Uh, <laughs> I think I saw every film going and just listening to theater, including Showgirls, because they turned seventeen right before it came out. Lucky you. <laughs> Sorry, that's I'm very happy Showgirls for all who celebrate, but uh, I can't stand that movie. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's that's. Uh, oh, I forgot. How could I forget City of Lost Children? We just literally just the delicatessen. Mm -hmm. We talked about it for forever. Yeah, yeah. Fallen Angels. Yeah, welcome to the top. Yeah, yeah, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shit. Shell. I like I like, uh, oh, I like I like Dead Man a lot. B before I ever saw it, um, I had a I had so the poster of I I don't have it anymore because it like ripped when I was moving from apartment to apartment. But like I used to have in every apartment, I used to have a thing of uh, Reservoir Dogs on one side of the room, like a poster, uh -huh. and then a poster yeah. of uh, Johnny Depp pointing the gun at you at the end of. Like, oh, that, that's Man. a that's a fantastic poster. Yeah. Before Sunrise, too. Not to discount Before Sunrise, fantastic film. Okay, Lahane kids, is amazing. Kids, I did mention Lahane, but kids came out. Yeah. A, I would do an episode yeah. on any one of these movies for sure. Yeah, Let's I see, definitely like, see what they have the uh, further down. <laughs> Clueless. I forgot about oh, Clueless Safe is, is great. Safe, safe's I thought Safe's underrated amongst the Todd Haynes discography. Uh, Doom Generation. Yeah, oh, yeah, four yeah. rooms. I, I remember in college, oh, yeah. uh, we broke into uh, we broke into uh, the lecture hall to to uh, to actually watch Doom Generation on the big screen. We, we uh, you know, <laughs> was Toy Story the first picture? I think it might have been. It, it either yes, was. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids is uh, that yo know, that movie's messed up. Smoke. I don't know if Smoke has aged well, but I loved it. Uh, I feel like I feel like both kids and showgirls are kind of like uh, cultural touchstone movies. You know what I mean? Of like yeah. a certain modern era of filmmaking. So it's cool that they're both this year. Yeah, yeah this is this solid year for movies, man. Like that's yeah. well, it's sort of like uh, the, what was it? Um, the Parasite year was also um, <laughs> Die Hard. Die Hard with a Vengeance, and then fucking Bruce Willis still has hair in that one. There's Dead Man and Dead Man Walking the same oh, year. Desperado. I remember that very specifically. I mentioned. Desperado on my yeah. list. Uh, uh, Strange Days, which uh, I think is a little underrated, but hard watch. Greg Araki. Greg Araki's a friend of uh, my friend Dan Gatto from Babyland. Uh, actually, Doom Generation has a Babyland song in it. Jumanji, uh, which all, I think we may cover. Next Diaries time. fucking sucks, by the way. That's at the bottom <laughs> of it. That's uh, I, they made they made us watch it. I was in like rehab, kind of like a rehab school place, and they made me watch it like half an hour by half an hour. Every week, I love the like book. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't remember the movie. Uh, but I, I think, I think the book's great. Um, that's like uh, DiCaprio's in the right basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like this is actually not the worst bit. We could do this every show for like the after part. It's e this is easy. This is easy. <laughs> this is easy pickings. We can just react. Right, remember, remember Pocahontas? Yeah, oh, that was great. Aren't we doing? Uh, we're doing Jumanji next month. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. that's uh, that, can, that's on the short list for adventure movies. Yeah, yeah, we can uh, we can nineteen ninety five it up. Am I fucking? Is my is my mic on? My mic's on, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I hear you. I hear you loud. And you clear. sound good. Good. Well, that's good. Strange days would would be. I don't know how. Strange days feel like it could be peak nineties to me. Like yeah, you know, that that one scene and like uh, hackers. Remember hackers? Woo! Yes. <laughs> no, no. But strange days has a uh, the one scene. Um, uh, whenever uh, I watched it in a college class, I actually walked uh, out for that scene because I knew it was coming up, and uh, my professor was sitting in the hallway. And we actually talked about like 
should, does the movie need to have that scene in it? And, and it was a, it was a really interesting discussion. Right. I think that's why I passed the class. <laughs> you passed you passed the class because you were the one kid that walked out. Uh, yeah, because I well I, I've seen it before and like like it's it's a brutal it's a rape scene and yeah, it's, it's, not it's, it's, it's not yeah it's it's really and it's horrific because it's it's even worse than you think yeah it's, it's, it's yeah uh, anyway so uh, yeah like Brad Pitt also I mean it's a more traditional role but Seven is a great role for him as well so yes. I mean he basically gets to show the world like yo I can act too here which is great because one of the reasons why leading actors leading men leading women want to show that they actually can't act is like you know there's going to come a time that you're not so pretty right that like yeah. you, you still want to work and you want to show that you you can do it boy howdy does he do. i mean honestly one of the best better depiction of that specific type of mental illness than even like um uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest i think yeah um, you also you also like want to not be stuck in a, as like a franchise actor, you know what I mean? Like because people will take yeah. You oh, it's, it's like yeah, exactly. We're like oh, you're, it's the it's, it's that guy, it's the cop, which, which I think is the cycle or whatever. That, yeah. Well, I bring it up because I think that's the cycle that Bruce Willis really felt like he was trapped in when he agreed yes. to take this, like because he, he was in Die Hard and then Die Hard Two and then Die Hard with a Vengeance came out that year, and I'm sure that he like felt. Uh, during this, that like, listen, I'm gonna get trapped being one of those, and the franchises get worse and worse. Like, it's not like yeah. you get, it's not like you ever oh, yeah. jump to like a better franchise. <laughs> you, you jump to like, right, becoming, right, like Steven Seagal or whatever. Like, that's your, yeah. yeah. And then, like at the end, I mean, yourself. if you, if you ever see the uh, the Bruce Willis exploitation films of the past couple of years, I um, have it, and I won't. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I watched one by accident because uh, I thought it was a different movie, <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, like like Bruce Willis doesn't even look like he knows what's going on on film. That's that's a like oh that's 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 why he's out of that's why yeah yeah no I'm I'm glad he's retired but but it just I felt like I felt dirty watching it but think about like the fact that like even even in Pulp Fiction the year before like he's like he's the boxer right like he's still playing a very Bruce Willis character like that like. It's it's great obviously he's in fucking night of the fight you might feel a sharp sting. That's yeah. pride fucking with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it, but I get where he'd be like, hey, I can do other other things. Yeah. I want to do other things, too. And and that movie is kind of crazy because it gives uh, John Travolta. Like, remember, he's the punchline in the player, right? Where like that's the whole thing is that like they're. And there's gonna be no stars in this at all, and then the end of it, yeah. Bruce Willis rescuing <laughs> Julia Roberts, and it's like, oh my god, that's so. But uh, no, but like I, I feel like um, yeah, and that's '92. That's like right before he would have. Right, right, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Like, uh, but uh, yeah, like Pulp Fiction, um, like that's John Travolta's chance to kind of do something like this, right? Like John yeah. Travolta gets to be yeah. more nuanced yeah. after kind of being in a bunch of like uh, romantic exploitation kind of movies, which is funny to think about now because he looks like he does now. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, looks, the mom looks from like Hairspray. Yeah. Like, peace and love, peace and love. But yeah, it does not, not a good looking dude at this point. That, that's a guy that like just incredibly handsome in his younger days and boy did that not stick right (laughs) like uh no thetans wouldn't be what i was thetans wouldn't be what i was worried about if i was him it would be calories but you know (laughs) it's well i mean they're they're linked man like you if you you don't take care of yourself especially if you're prone to hair loss like it's not your life yeah and also like like he's had a rough couple of years because his son and then wife died like like back back. i was saying thetans like the uh scientology thing that they read I was yeah. saying it's, it's linked. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to be a, I, I, you know what? Yeah. I don't you want shaved to off your that. Thetans, so let's just yeah. go on. 
<laughs> we, we don't need to. I've gone. Yeah, I've gone. I've gone full Bruce Willis for uh, for this episode. Let's not go clear on this episode, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce recently allowed his image to be used for AI. Mm. <sighs> that seems like the beginning of a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> yeah, where he has to fight himself, the AI version of himself. I think I saw like, that. That was like that Will Smith movie that like had a great concept that I was like I was like no this is terrible I'm turning this off and, yeah Ang okay. Lee directed that too yeah yeah and, and you know just, what you know you know what I've come around to I don't think I like Ang Lee's movies yeah because like, there's way but, more I don't like than I do and even the ones I do I'm like yeah it was all right yeah I mean like oh like... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah yeah in this movie at least yeah um. Yeah, no. So it is. It's really funny though to look at like Die Hard two or like uh, like something like that where he's wearing like the wig. You know what I mean? There's like he, he has hair in those ones, and then <laughs> yeah, you watch yeah, this, and it's like the same time, and it's like he's fully bald Bruce Willis, which I think he looks better. I think he looks better well, as he is a dude that actually legit looks good bald. Not there's yeah. a lot of dudes that like that like you know they start and rather than I respect the like hey I don't want the monk toilet brush thing going on I'm just going for it. Uh, yeah. respect but like he it actually looks good with him like you know it, it's i'm i'm not against it at all and it also makes it hilarious when he puts on the wig um, oh yeah because it's like because <laughs> in the beginning it's like really? huh, that like that dude with long hair that that doesn't look right and yeah, then yeah, when you realize like that oh that's bruce that... willis it's like yeah oh <laughs> he has <laughs> he the big droopy like, mustache too it isn't it's like come on dude like you you look like every undercover cop in the 70s <laughs> and uh and i also it's also really funny that like because because terry gilliam like terry gilliam is such a good uh comic timing person um even though this isn't like a funny like this is a pretty bleak movie at some points but like yeah. the the scene where he does have that on and they finally kiss and then it cuts really fast to the fucking uh movie theater guy sleeping in the corner it's good stuff what are you talking about willis andy did you see this when it was uh in the theaters or like early on i like, missed I it in the theaters but i did see it right after it came out on vhs uh before i graduated from high school uh because i remember um my best friend in high school really wanted to learn how to play the accordion like uh, it is in the movie. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a deep pull. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Like, like we, we watched it. He's just I like, just assumed that the next word's going to be like Weird Al is what I thought. <laughs> no, it was, was this, be. <laughs> it was this movie. And he's just like, like all right. I want to play that instrument, whatever that is that, that made that sound. It's like, I thought you were going to say that's, uh, that's Weird Al's, that's Weird Al's origin story. They're like, uh, my friend Alfred, you know, he, he right. wanted to uh, learn how to play the accordion. He's like, I want to learn how to play that, that accordion. But, but no, it was just that, that, that you know, because, because a place like that, that, uh, you know, it's almost like a waltz and then it plays this off note. Um, Conan can explain it much better than Yeah, I yeah. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's use of dissonance in an instrument that doesn't normally uh, play dissonant notes. And it's, it's unique because we don't think of that uh, in terms of like when you think of a, uh, accordion music because we think yeah. of it as usually a very traditional um uh, for, for lack of a better term like you know like more uh like culturally uh traditional i'm trying not to use the word ethnic here but but basically that's what i'm talking about <laughs> like what people call ethnic music in the 50s <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, like waltzes too like, like uh yeah uh, i remember my, my mom played the accordion and she would always warm up with the uh uh, the beer barrel waltz and, and you just play that really fast and that was yeah and unless you're thing. listening to like uh thinking fellers union or sun city girls or something you're you're not going to hear a lot of uh discordant accordion although you know you don't like uh thinking fellers union matthew film guy big fan hmm. if he uh, loved my uh interview with mark davies 
which to be fair, so did I. <laughs> so uh this is this is um this is about the budget stuff that they had in this. Um, I thought this was cool. This is like, what was the budget on this? Cause now that like, since KT on the last episode mentioned like, Oh, it's a shoestring budget. She's like, Oh yeah, it's like 40 million. This, this definitely <laughs> wasn't a shoestring. This was not a shoestring budget, but this was. But that, no, that got me thinking about that. Cause I realized I was like, that's a good point. Cause people just throw those terms around. I don't know. I don't know how much it freaking costs. Like some, I mean, sometimes you can definitely tell. Yeah. That million. seems right. That seems right for, for yeah, yeah. Uh, 95. Yeah. That seems right. Yeah, because they used to make uh, movies that that used to cost that much. Yeah, they used um, to be like mid tier movies. It wasn't just like gigantic blockbusters in A twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's the only two types of movies now. Apparently, <laughs> like the genders. Yeah. <laughs> You're either a blockbuster or an A twenty four. I have this feeling that the movie should have this kind of feeling of decay of the past with it, and because we didn't have money we couldn't build a whole lot of big sets but i wanted a big look for the film so we decided to use old power plants old crumbling buildings and kind of show the decay of civilization within the 1990s as well as in the year 2035. so when we got there and we started talking about well that machine could be this you know, and then they started working the script around things we found. The time machine sequence in the script was originally, uh, I think, about two lines. Coal is wheeled on a gurney and put into a steel tube. And as we were wandering around these power stations in, in Philly and looking at these gigantic turbines, these huge massive machinery i just felt we gotta make a time machine and so i convinced everybody let's go for it and let's create a, a massive time machine it seemed that even by the time i had arrived on the film that everybody terry jeff the producers uh, must have talked endlessly about the time machine and yet never quite homed in on it and it started to happen in daily meetings that terry and jeff and i had and what developed was was using found objects, using things that I would literally find in the gutter or in flea markets, coming across some piece of scrap metal or some domestic item and adapting that and making it into something unusual. Yeah, I didn't know they had Tony Blair uh, design the time machine. <laughs> I became more and more obsessed as I was through this whole film about you know, uh, condoms and, and, and bubbles and, and sealing the boy in the bubble, sealing things from other things. And so we built a cocoon that would uh, uh, transport him into the machine. And it was just extraordinary. It seemed like an amniotic sac, something to do with birth and death, the two things being closely related in my mind. <laughs> sack. I think Terry's always looking for a different edge. He approaches it very straight. He goes, we're going to make a little movie. And then suddenly it becomes a big movie. He said, I have to start out little because it's going to become big anyway. It's me. <laughs> you know, that's what he says. Look at oh this. Face. This is fucking great. I was just reading a script again. <laughs> the gurney is wheeled into a coal on a gurney squeal into a steel tube. <laughs> <That much> <laughs> 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 mistakes this time, Cole. Stay alert. Keep your eyes open. You're thinking about the spider, Cole. Can't do something like that again. I think we did the time machine. Uh, the set looked like 
the theatrical set in a strange way that this is silly. This is this isn't intimidating. This isn't worrying. This is silly and it's funny. Actually, I suppose it's like you know, late in life trying to learn to be a director. It's what I'm trying to teach myself. How do you become a director when it's not your stuff? And so you try to make it yours. It is harder doing other people's scripts because there's a, I feel a great responsibility to the writers. And I fight making it a Terry Gilliam film. I think the like the panel, like the scientists that like are sending him around and, and, and whatever, that's like one of the most recognizably Terry Gilliam uh, things for sure. Because like he has a tendency to have like some generally like mid to like older people in positions of authority that are passing judgment or like, you know, giving accolades in that very high British way. Yeah. Um, like the, um, the, uh, the parents in time bandits. when <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like, and like, uh, well, it's in Brazil. It's, um, I can't remember her name, the mom for who's the boss, right? Catherine Hillman. Uh, yeah. The, the mom of the mom, I should say the grandma, I guess. Hot grandma. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who I'm talking about. Don't be dicks. One of the one of the um she's great. The, she was also she was what she, she was in Time Bandits too, wasn't she? Yeah, she was in Time Bandits. Bandits. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's great. One of, one of the more uh the funnier things that he's directed is um the Crimson Permanent Assurance, which is like yes. the, the, oh, the, 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 yeah. the, the the corporate raiders that it's literally yeah. a pirate ship. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and I feel like good. that's an entire that's an entire action movie he made out of those like uh, British bureaucratic like authority yeah. figures. No, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's like it's peak Terry Gilliam for sure. Uh, it's I like what he would have said about like you know kind of like keeping it small because he's gonna, he's gonna make it grandiose and big no matter what, which is totally a thing he does. That's famously why like that freaking Don Quixote movie like was uh, such a hard one for him to get made because he just kept like they're like, what are you doing now? Like, no, you can't do that. No, yeah. we're not gonna let you do that. And then like. Kept, he, it was famously problematic. Not problematic in the way that you might think. Problematic it in the way that, like, but that's another story. It is problematic, but like problematic mm -hmm. in the fact that like people were getting injured and they couldn't shoot and like weather wasn't like yeah, it's. They had to stop for a couple of years. They did. It, it is. I think it's the rare case where the documentary is more interesting than the movie. But like, the, the man has a sense of scope and scale. Like, I mean, Brazil is grandiose in a way that I've never seen. Like your Kafka esque um, nightmare depicted in such a way where you get like just the scope of like this is one guy versus all of this and you know the outcome immediately even though you like spend the entire movie hoping it's not going to be that and um i think that's his sweet spot to a certain degree and, and it's 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 like that's why he's so good with like this dystopian uh sci-fi stuff because like look from the perspective of if you're not Bruce Willis's character in this and you're sending this, this criminal, remember he's a criminal. He's getting his criminal yeah. record expunged by going on a suicide mission. That is that, that is the pitch. That is literally the pitch. It's a suicide squad. <laughs> it's a, it's, mm -hmm. it's a suicide squad, but for time travel and they know like the, the chances of him succeeding are like infinitesimally low. Now we're, we get so invested in is his story. And like his lived experience for like uh, both as a child and as an adult, and then now as an adult experiencing things before the world changed and before this apocalypse, that you kind of lose sight of that. It's like, no, he's cannon fodder. Yeah, he's cannon fodder, and, and they and send they, these they dudes all the time. That. 
They, yeah, they yeah. reinforce that by having his roommate. Um, they, they send his roommate after him, and he's just in the middle of fucking World War One. Yeah, and, and he's like, oh, it, there's a guy I didn't talk to. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like it's – but like you lose sight of that except for when you get to those moments. And then you get to – of course you get to the point where he's like questioning his own sanity. Right. And that's another Terry Gilliam thing. Right. Uh, hardcore. But like, how cool is it that like it's so immersive that you're like right along there with him and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe he's going to do it. Maybe he's going to do it. No, no, he won't. It's already happened. It's already happened. <laughs> it already happened when he was a kid. And and then you get to the point where like things aren't going right. And then you just see they kept sending more and more people by and you see like different people like side eyeing him like on like the escalator and stuff where it's like. Yeah, this is only going to go one way. It's going to go the way that they want it to be because they literally have all the time in the world to make it so. Yeah, I mean it's the uh, it's the it's the line from fucking The Wire, right? Where he's like, "You want it to go one way, but it's the other way." And it's like, as an audience, we're kind of now invested in like, but like no, no, he can do it. He can do it. He keeps saying it like, "I can't change this. It's going to happen. It's inevitable." Yeah. But then towards the end, you start to feel like he's convinced himself that like he's broken away, so maybe it won't. You know, maybe maybe he actually can get it. It's like. No, it's just the it's the thing no. you remember, it's the thing that's in your dream, and it's, it's so traumatizing it's, that it exists throughout uh, throughout multiple timelines. Like that's why he's being haunted by it, right? And and that's and it's only devastating because the emotional stakes are raised to us that that it's so compelling for us to stay along with him in his delusion, his actual delusion, albeit temporarily. That yeah, maybe they can you know defy gravity. Maybe maybe he can you know, figure out maybe you can go see like the beach in Key West. I almost said Key Lime, which is not, not the same thing. Although my favorite kind of, I've pie. never seen the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I'm, and it's again, remarkable to be able to do it with, with like literally he adopts, he abducts Madeline Stowe. Like there's no two ways about it. Like it's, it's, it's a classic abduction. And then you can argue think there's a chance he's murdered her. For, it for shows, a short <laughs> you, you see the news report and you're like, Oh, what? And then it's like, and then like, it's a, it's a false. Yeah. Flag, but, right? but, but, but like, you're still, you stick with him throughout that and you're still rooting for him, even though you're like, yo, there's a chance he just murdered that frog. He did, exactly. This innocent <laughs> woman who like did nothing other than attempt to like help people and help him specifically, like, you know, earlier on. I mean, it's remarkable to have all that and all that baggage and all that like a uh, uh, complex emotional work going on. And, uh, and and have it gross 168 million for one. Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Um, but to to lull you into a sense of understanding that mindset and, and identifying with this this very complicated, flawed character that like you're like, oh, maybe you can do it. No, it's, <laughs> it was predetermined literally from the beginning. Yeah, and you kind of know. I mean, you kind of know that like you know he's watching <laughs> himself. That, like you know what i mean like you can kind of tell it it too. shows it literally yeah. shows you multiple yeah. times and, and <laughs> but you're like yeah but what if amazing that's good filmmaking yeah you're like what if this is the time that changes yeah, but not maybe this is the time that i mean i watched no, it i watched it twice for this i watched it, it twice the for same this. Way. and the second time i watched it last <laughs> night my brain was still like maybe he'll pull it off this maybe time. he'll pull it off exactly <laughs> well it's just like that line in the movie uh you know like every time you watch a movie it's a different movie because you're a different person different person. yeah exactly yeah and so, that's so uh 
they actually have that line in this movie, which makes it which even is like, like amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a which flex. pushes that ending like, like maybe it's going to change this time. <laughs> nope, same movie. Maybe, maybe they're saying there's multiple cuts to this movie, and like you know, this is the cut where Bruce. Nope, nope. Wait, no. Nope. Well, we already know how Terry Gilliam feels about the tacked on happy ending, right? So <laughs> probably not. Um, yeah, so, but I, so... I just I just have to I have to shout that out because I mean I think that's so I, I'm I'm more in awe of it now than when I first saw it for the first couple times uh, in the theater, and then also later in on video that it's like no it actually it's like it still makes you think that like maybe it's going to be different it's like no it, it will it will not be different this it is won't. a this is a perfect uh transition point for the, the the thing where he's talking about the the argument that they had over the ending mm-hmm. um and how much hope because it goes back to really the brazil thing like how much like yeah. whether whether it could be a hopeful ending whether you could feel like maybe they've learned something and and things are changing or whether you know it's just a, an endless time loop and um yep. yeah Break for lunch and we'll go to the stage. We'll get to the stage by seven. With the last days of production approaching, Terry and Chuck struggle to squeeze in the remaining shots. No, I think this one, where I come from, I think it was Zayden. I just kind of like that. The one thing about Ironically, the shoot will conclude with the last shot of the film, a shot which has caused considerable conflict between Terry and Chuck. Chuck wants to follow the original script which ends with young Cole in the airport parking lot. As far as Terry is concerned, though, he already has his final shot, the shot of young Cole in the airport, witnessing his own death. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Perfect, Joe, thanks. From early on, reading the script and in discussions, I've always felt that the ending of the film would take place in the airport between Rayleigh and the boy, their eye contact. I mean, that's why I started the film with on his eyes and end on his eyes. And the boy is touched, scarred, uh, damaged by what he's just seen, something that's going to stay with him for the rest of his life. The scene that then came after that was a scene in the airplane where Dr. Peters and his viruses uh, meet the astrophysicist. And we know that 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 somehow the astrophysicists will get the virus and will be able to save the human race. Jones is my name. There was an argument that we needed that scene because otherwise Cole's death would have been in vain, that he wouldn't have achieved anything. This way, we, the audience, can see that he has achieved something, that his death has led them to the the virus and and he saves the future. Um, And... I was convinced that was all nonsense anyway, and it was unnecessary, and emotionally would it would weaken the emotional ending. And so once we had agreed to do the airplane shot, Chuck kept lobbying for the, the parking lot shot, and I said, ah, no, no, because we're not gonna use the airplane shot anyway. You're still a dreamer, I can see. <laughs> well, I couldn't work on how to shoot. I didn't have a shot in my head for the boy in the parking lot. So I said, we're not gonna do the shot. And Chuck was adamant that we do the shot. Finally, I said, okay, I'll do it, but we need to have this huge shot. We've got to see thousands of cars in the parking lot. We've got to see the entire world out there because I was encouraging everybody to come up with very expensive solutions to this <laughs> so that Chuck would eventually say, no, we can't afford to do it, and he'd back down. I wouldn't have to do the shot. And so suddenly we've got a crane on top of another crane. We're in a parking lot. We've got a boy's parents. We've got the whole world out there. It's an amazing thing, this. And 
Action! That's quite a, oh, that's nice. That's a very nice angle. Slow, take it down. Okay, now we're getting... Slow, 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 slow. That's a strong shot. So, that shot got in, and the shot wouldn't have been made had not Chuck persisted, and me being just spiteful and coming up with the most expensive solutions, hoping that it wouldn't happen. But the result is a really good shot. And the camera comes right down and finds the boy as he gets into his car and into his face and into his eyes. And his eyes have changed from the boy that was in the air terminal watching this. And it's like a boy with determination. It's the guy that's going to become cold, like the guy that's going to be a social misfit. <laughs> the guy is going to cause trouble. That's right. There's a there's a whole thing I guess, I and mean, you probably watch it in the after party. But they're like there were two kids that they had. Like one was the double, and one was the uh, original kid that they thought looked enough like Bruce. Oh, Willis. Okay. They nice. ended up they ended up recasting the kid at one point. Oh, really? Because they were like, oh, this this kid doesn't isn't good. Did, <laughs> did you see the kid. uh, kid's IMDb bio? No. Oh, uh, because I posted it in the, in the chat before, uh, like a few days ago, but. Um, uh, basically it's like, and he was called out for his performance in 12 monkeys. And it's like, like along with Brad Pitt. And it's like, I don't, I don't remember this. Like, like, and then, I, who like, is mom? Yeah. Like, no, probably. <laughs> yeah. I guess as you wrote the Bible. <laughs> oh yeah. Some people say it's the greatest album on earth. Really? Who said that? Your dad? <laughs> yeah. Right there. My dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, yo, he, he clearly wrote his own, uh, he clearly wrote his own IMDb bio. I think he was, was like, disgusted with Hollywood. He's like, Joseph was born in the middle of a snowstorm to Joseph and Linda Melito. He's a mixed Italian and Irish background. Never wanted to act, but fell into it accidentally. This is the kid? This yeah. is the kid's Wikipedia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, his IMDb page. All right. It's, yeah. uh, he, was only in, he was only in this and uh, Wide Awake. What other movie? Yeah. Do you, wanna, Andy, do, do you want to, Andy? Do you want to use this opportunity to talk about uh, was it La Jete? La Jete, yeah. Um, I actually had sixty-two. Yeah, I have not seen La Jete before this week. Um, oh, yeah, I oh, know. Geez, I didn't okay. want to. <laughs> you like talked us into doing it. Like, like of course, yeah. Yeah, I well, watched. I, I watched La Jete for this week too. But yeah, like I said, yeah, cool slideshow, no, it was bro. it was finally an excuse to watch it. It's because because like. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, I love this movie, so I wanted to see the fact uh, that it happened in 1962 is actually pretty astounding because it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know it's like considered like part of the left bank movement, but it's you know, the fact that it's, it questions the idea of like what a film is because it's like constructed almost entirely from still photos, yes, except for that one scene, which is unnerving, yeah, it's like, whoa, yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 absolutely you know like like it's a half hour, so it's not like you're you're wasting your time, you know, it's not like a right. two hour slog or anything, but but it is worth your time to to uh, you know sit down and check this movie out because because it is uh, fascinating and, and you can see like the bones of that movie did you know totally make up uh, yeah what what became Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's the exact screenplay or anything, but it's like there's so much of it that's. Uh, similar. It, oh, this is this is the this is the camera that they uh, 
Did they? Oh, that's like camera. So they they took the pictures with uh with the still camera. Nice. Um, yeah, and it's I mean, so, and some of the scenes, even like the blocking, like could have been a storyboard or something for sure. Yeah, which is crazy because yeah. apparently Gilliam said he didn't watch it. Right? And it's like, well, okay, came across in the screenplay apparently. Uh, but it, it's I, I find I I found that to be well, okay, so. I can't judge it by modern standards because it was 1962, right? I mean, think of think of where like dystopian sci-fi was in 1962. Like the original Planet of the Apes was like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> yeah. And that was Dude, so that years away. full of apes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I, I, I like, hope there's I, a sequel where all my apes gone, or else uh, <laughs> the human race. But, by the way, my favorite sequels were the end at the end of the movie. Like they nuke the Earth. So then there's a movie after that where it's a prequel because it has to be. <laughs> it's like, no, everyone blew up. Like, you're going to make another one of these? How are you going to make another one? Oh, and do it beforehand. Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that tracks. Bring it right up, Yeah, I mean, like, and I'll, I'll love to the original Planet of the Apes, uh, to be clear. But, but I'm saying from perspective of, you know, we reference Twilight Zone and stuff a lot in the show. But, like, yeah, it, it was from a storytelling perspective, pretty groundbreaking and daring and interesting, but also kind of seems like you would see it, you know, at a cool cafe with everyone being very French and hanging out. And, you know, like it, it didn't have the cultural cachet of something like a, like a Planet of the Apes, which started off as a, a books, I think, right? If I remember correctly, there were, there were yes. books originally. There are books. Uh, the monkeys could actually have, uh, they had like airplanes and stuff. They're like little monkey copters. Um, but that was too expensive to uh, <laughs> to put in the film. Were there twelve of them? Yes, little monkey copters. Um, yeah, it was like like, uh, and if you see like the book cover, it's like it's like this monkey flying a Leonardo da Vinci type machine, like like helicopter. It's wild. Um, I like I like that they don't rely on dialogue at all within Logite, right? Like it's just uh, the narrative. Yeah, it's it's all it's happened. all narrative. Yeah, yeah and it's it, it's sorry. I had, I had it's like a performance. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's notable um, and it's interesting, but uh, they're I mean they're not the same movie because like because like, like I said, like uh, the key, the key to what Gilliam does is like he makes you suspend your own disbelief even after being shown repeatedly like what the outcome is going to be, and I feel like that there's it's just a different it's a different thing. Well, it, I mean, it, it's, like it, taking, it, it's like taking the basic conceit behind something and then turning it into a fully yeah. fleshed, uh, you know, story. And and obviously, you know, nukes were like the big It was a watch it during a film. <laughs> yeah, well, nukes aren't the big worry within, you know, the, the 1990s as much. Yeah. I mean, it's like, number one, it's terrorism. And number two, it's, uh, you know, like something like a, a bioweapon. So, like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. adjusting well, it. The it's adjusting right? it By the way. <laughs> An hour and eleven minutes in, and can we just mention like deadly virus that like changes all of civilization? Like that's why I'm in my basement. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I feel like I hit that point so much with uh 28 days later. Yeah, like that was yeah. that was the movie that I was like, ah fuck. Yeah. So this time I was like, all right, I'm you know, I'm used to viruses enough. Like you know, I've gotten COVID, I've gotten Lyme disease, uh, you know, I'm used to I'm used to yeah. what we got next. Let's go. Gonorrhea. <laughs> But the weird they thing never, is, they never tell you what kind of virus or like what it, you know. Just besides the fact that like you get a fever and then what? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it kills people. It's yeah. all I need. You got a fever. I feel like it's easy to overexplain that. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's easy to overexplain that or like the science. I think most movies it, do, like, yeah. and like I think that that's uh, that's a problem, and and I think it's it's something where you know it separates dealing with something like that 
in 12 monkeys versus like say the resident evil movies or something you know where that i mean it's it's sort of like uh you know like apples and potatoes <laughs> but uh, but i mean it's, it's the again like there's, there's a lot of times people substitute exposition for filmmaking yeah um also i mean shout out to christopher Plummer who you know as that I, I a little dis in disbelief of his uh southern accent, like it just seems like he's doing an accent, but just just know. for to amuse himself, probably. Yeah, like, like, there's no real reason for it that I can tell. You know? <laughs> he's in the he's in the back of the car and he's like, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, is that you? I heard yeah. your voice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does as many things as, as that dude has, even at that time. Like, you gotta keep yourself amused, I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's not like, like uh, when the when- <laughs> What was the the Huey Long movie that um uh, uh oh god uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and uh, uh, not Fast Times um uh fucking come on everyone loves fucking talking about that dude uh uh I, he's done a million other things but for it's like all I can think of the you know what I'm talking about the Huey Long movie this is uh, yeah, yeah it's it's everyone loves bagging on them it was uh the, the, I, I, like it's fucking real missing for this that's this fucking actor of a guy and everyone's gonna be like oh, i can't believe you're talking about that guy um but uh anyway john penn jesus christ um he plays huey long and there's like a consultant like a sort of 1920s consultant guy and it's um, none other than Tony Soprano affecting one of the worst Southern accents I have ever heard in my entire life. Where it's yeah, like, this, this, no, movie totally, this movie totally, this movie totally crossed crossed over my radar. I, I knew like the Kingfish movie or whatever, but I didn't know. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's interesting. Not Sean Young, yes, Bacoli is who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was pulling some sh- real. Sh- yeah, he's in uh, he's in a he's a, he's. In I fucking... love Fast Time. Fast Time's great. Yeah. But he yeah. basically spent his entire career trying to not be Jeff Spicoli. Um, but yeah, it's uh, this is well, Milk came out around the same time, and everyone loved Milk in this uh, yeah, the, the Huey Long movie. I don't even remember what it's called. Was it was it called King Fish? No, was it? Was it what was it called? I, I guess uh, all the King's Men or something. All the King's Men, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jude Law's in it. Kate Winslet's in it. Um, yeah, Mark Ruffalo's in it. Yeah. It's not great, <laughs> but if you like Huey Long, like uh, it's, I mean, it's not, it's, I guess the, the, um, his estate did not consent to have Huey Long's name mentioned. You can understand why when you see how they decided to end it, which is probably the worst part of it, but gets like some of the ideas of why Huey Long was an important and complicated, uh, figure in history with it. But James Gandolfina as like maybe the worst Southern accent I've ever heard. That. And like, it's like, why where, not just uh, have him be from New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> there's a movie where uh, John Goodman plays Huey Long, which probably, I mean, that sounds that sounds more interesting yeah, than that sounds way more interesting. <laughs> I mean, do we got look, look? I mean, say what you will about the guy's politics and just like weird antics and you know whatever else. Like, he put in a pretty good performance. I mean, yeah. and and granted, even though Milk was supposed to be like the hey everybody give Obama a chance like kind of like thing, it's a good movie. I mean, he's, 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 and it's, uh, he, when he gets out of his own way, that guy's a good actor. <laughs> it's the best I, mean, I, I think he was really good in Milk. He's a good um, director, too. Yeah. No, no, I mean, Milk's amazing. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Like, so, uh, da, 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 uh Plumber, oh, the King's Fish. <laughs> 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 the 
<laughs> Who can forget the classic All the King's Fish? Classic after party. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, like... Um, all yeah, the king's I, horses and all the king's You're saying fish. go plumber, and I just, you know, wanted to know where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I also find it interesting, because uh, uh, Fisher King had Amanda Plummer, his daughter. Oh, you're talking about fish? <laughs> and kings? All the king's fish? <laughs> <laughs> and plumbers? There's water involved? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, you know, why did... Uh, you talking about the Mario why, Brothers movie? <laughs> yeah, why didn't Plummer play Mario? What's up with that? <laughs> It's me, Mario. <laughs> what if he wasn't Italian? What? <laughs> Not Italian enough. What if he was South African? <laughs> what if he what if he was Austrian but did not have an Austrian accent by any stretch of the imagination? Yeah. <laughs> what if he has an indeterminate East European accent? So, <laughs> sure, sounds great. Whatever. You're gonna be in the movie? As long as it sounded out of line, you can have him sound like whatever you want. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Andy? Well, what was it? Was plumbers, was, Mario Brothers, but uh, Fisher King, Fisher King, you're talking about the Fisher King, yeah. Fisher King had uh, uh, Christopher Plummer's daughter in it, and then uh, Terry yeah. Gilliam does, you know, uh, which uh, sh uh, ironically, he was the last villain the original uh, Star Trek series had in Star Trek Six and Discovery Country, and now she's going to be the final villain in uh, Picard's final season. So, you know, nice bookend. There you go. There you go. Trekkies, trekkers, whatever you want to call yourselves. Peace and love. <laughs> peace and love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched uh, I watched Fisher King for I, I, I saw it when I was like a kid, I think, like a really long time ago. But um I watched Fisher Fisher King good. For, yeah. yeah. I like that. But we uh, almost I, did I that like for movie night madness, I think, if I remember right. And yeah, we were talking about make, it. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like uh Robin Williams is one of the few people that has the energy that uh Brad Pitt had in this, like he has that totally. energy organically <laughs> without and stuff and this thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> what yeah, do you yeah. what do you uh what do you, you know if you don't if you don't buy and sell, uh you're you're mentally ill. Oh ah. <laughs> well, yeah, what Brad Pitt had to study Robin Williams is kind of does naturally. Yeah. I, I they should have had Robin Williams train him. He's like, All right, here's what you do. <laughs> now you go, oh, oh, <laughs> Uh, do it as the mime from uh from, from Shakes the Clown. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, I, no, I like that Rob the Rob Williams also does the accent, so he'd be like training Brad Pitt. You'd be like, all right, I'll do a southern accent. Say, you gotta buy on sale, and then do this. Like, <laughs> like oh. <laughs> oh, you, you, gotta, you got a whole little uh, mini movie that you're, that you're pitching right here. It's, it's a good, and the movie's called All the King's Fish. All the King's Fish. Yeah, it's, it's, Robin, it's Robin Williams. It's Robin Williams training Brad Pitt to do what he does. All the King's Fish. All the King's Fish. <laughs> oh, the King. He has lots of fish. Oh, oh, the King. He likes the fish. He needs them. He needs all of them. He needs all and of then, them immediately. And then, and then the King's jumping around and he's like, uh, "Oh, uh, you know, I love, I love putting my fish out there. You know. Oh, now. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch fish, it. Indeed. I would, I would watch pretty much anything though. I mean, R.I.P. to Robin Williams, but like. I, he's yeah. he's a get for me. I feel like I feel like if, if you're like oh Rob Williams did it, I'm like, you know what? This might suck, but I'm there. Like like Patch Adams yeah, is it, not it's good. Like Popeye. But... <laughs> oh yeah, Popeye. Too. But like I I remember watching Patch Adams as a kid, and be like, this is just I forgot about Popeye. Damn, dude. Yeah, I, I saw it in the theater as a kid, and um, I, I loved it. And when I was five, 
Yeah, with your five, that that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> the movie, yeah, the movie's so awesome. Yeah, yeah great, five. best movie I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it, it just I every year, it's just the... as good as it was when I was five. Yeah, I remember getting the the VHS like tape of it and watching it when I was a kid. Be like, the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> the the Fisher King, yeah, exactly, <laughs> or all the king's fish, as we now call it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Fisher King. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that, that's just What's like, uh, I can't get him all the fish. I'll get him some of the fish. <laughs> can't tell all the fish. Then, then, the fish. then you're jumping in. The fish is like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> swim. You got to swim. Everybody, everybody's swimming. Everyone's swimming. Swim, 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 swim. <laughs> I hereby declare a moratorium on Robin Williams impersonations. Until the <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so yeah, back to twelve monkeys, right? So, it, it, oh, twelve monkeys over here. Twelve oh, monkeys over there. <laughs> I can barely handle two. There's twelve. There's twelve monkeys. Finally, in my own rule. Nah, it. It's just too fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so. I don't even remember what the last clip was about at this point. Uh, what, 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 oh, what that was, was the uh, it was the clash between them and um and the ending scene. Where they uh, yeah, yeah. That beautiful that beautiful crane shot which uh yeah. apparently was a crane on top of another crane in the of a yo dog heard you like cranes I put cranes in your cranes yeah <laughs> no but you know give me a good crane shot any day you know I'm I'm for it <laughs> we are a pro we are a pro crane shot podcast <laughs> we are pro crane and we vote <laughs> right Amanda Tapping come on the show we can talk about your crane shots. <laughs> Amongst other things, we won't just talk about that. We'll talk about other things as well. <laughs> it's, it was hyper specialized. I, I don't know if it's, it's like they're crane operators or something. I don't know. They, I mean, they invited me on. It's free airtime. But I, I think this podcast is put out by the uh, Crane Operators Union. Put out by Big Crane. <laughs> <laughs> they're really, they're really pushing the crane shot thing hard. I think they got a lobby or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do want to. Uh, uh, yeah. So, anything more on that? Or should we just? Launch into one-liners and yeah, let's launch into letterboxed one-liners. All right, all right, all right. So <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> there's ten of these. How could be ten of these? Okay, <laughs> only until the after part. If you want to see these classic extemporaneous Robin Williams bits, soon to be classic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what get hope? So of course, Letterbox is a social media site for people who love film place where film lovers get to talk at with and to each other about the films they love the films they didn't love the films that they all thought was a psychopathic delusion through based to uh, time travel related trauma and of course all of this is uh, not just left to the siskels and eberts of the world you know the your, your big time johnny big time over here but uh allows are, are you trying to feel the feel the intro is that what you're <laughs> <laughs> All of this is, of course, uh, best expressed uh, most succinctly, uh, you know, in, in the way that open source democracy does the best, which is just, uh, you know, in front of the brick wall, the comedy store or whatever, working your tight five. Uh, these are the letterbox one liners for 12 monkeys. I was attacked by a coked up whore and a fucking crazy dentist. My favorite it, Gilliam film. That's such a, <laughs> that's such a weird, uh, like, side plot that they have going on. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> They're just like, let's get this random it's like, guy to just come in and get the shit beat out. <laughs> like, hey, what is he dressed as? Like, like he's not dressed like a normal pimp. He's dressed like Crocodile Dundee. 
He also goes full Walter White and goes, stay out of my territory. <laughs> <laughs> he does. And then he just gets, he gets got like immediately, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And, but yeah, like that, yeah. that, that as like the tag is sort of like probably why he insisted that uh, that scene remain in because it's amazing. <laughs> tag. Cause of course he takes, and of course why crazy Dennis? Cause he takes the teeth apparently yeah. have the tracker. So he takes the teeth out. Right. So mm -hmm. that's why. If she was my psychiatrist, I'd accept my insanity as well. <laughs> yeah. Word. 90s Madeline Stowe. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I have no notes. There were at least 12 monkeys and they didn't do jack shit. They didn't even say it. Like, they didn't even save the human race. <laughs> no, they, like, they said, listen, you know? animals. Well, may maybe they're the ones that start the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe my thing for this month is I'm trying to like as as many uh, Planet of the Apes uh, like tie-in movies as I can find. What, what's the one? The Tim Burton one was it? Was that Wahlberg that was in that? Who, who was in that? Yes, That's horrible. Yes, like it's all of the ones after. I it put me off watching those sequels because I just assumed they were terrible as well. Those movies are good. That Tim Burton movie is one of the worst remakes I've ever seen. But but that ending though with uh, with uh, Abraham Lincoln. Ape Raham Lincoln, yeah. <laughs> this is how COVID started. Yeah. <laughs> Always funny. Always funny to me on anything that has like a plague or, you know, people trying to stop a virus. Or well, something. that's when people are also watching the most movies. So like the things pop up first too. Yep. Brad Pitt looks like a junky version of Goofy. <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck was he cooking? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Brad Pitt saying the old wow. yuck, yuck, uh, get in my truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No lies detected. Like he's, he's dad, uh... dad, yuck, yuck, get in my truck. <laughs> Indeed. Cool story, but suffers from Bruce Willis's bare ass having more screen time than Christopher Plummer. <laughs> and it has uh, Christopher Plummer really like chewing up the fucking scenery in like the two scenes he's in. But uh, that was Bruce wish, Wilson's bare ass, actually. So you know, I wish this wasn't uh, my my night. You know, I'm I'm just a fancy scientist. <laughs> I'm just a caveman. Yeah. Brad Pitt <laughs> went so hard that Bruce Willis was absolutely convinced he was the cause of in the world. And honestly, same. <laughs> yeah. The Braddest of Pitts is the tag on there. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it really. Well, hold on. Don't move on yet. Uh, the uh, it really does narratively make you think that it's going to be it's going to be him it's going to be brad pitt and his, and his army of the 12 monkeys that, that yeah that, that do the stuff right like it, it's and it, it even when you know even if you've seen it before like oh yeah and like wait a second i've seen this before and he's totally not the cause of that but i still thought he was for some reason yeah no it, it really correct. makes it sound as suspicious as possible and you really think that bruce willis convinced him to do it and it's yep. like neither one of those turns out to be true it's crazy <laughs> shout out to my homies keeping it mentally divergent all right, all right, all right. Obsessed with that little monkey in its sandwich. Hard same, by the way. Yeah, they, like, no, they, the they really uh, they saved they saved democracy more than Stacey Abrams did over there with the uh... <laughs> savage. savage. <laughs> Tag yourself. I'm Brad Pitt, compulsively giving everyone the middle finger for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah, there's like an element of like uh, there's like an element of um. What do you call it? Um, what, what the fuck is that? Uh, like you know, you know the compulsive thing where like you compulsively um, like Tourette's? Shout, yeah, Tourette. There's like an element of like Tourette's with his like compulsive finger yeah. giving. I feel like. Yep, it's Tourette's fingers. 
<laughs> nice. But how in the hell is there a lion on top of that building? <laughs> the stairs yeah, still work. It. Where's that Disney Prestige series? <laughs> you got up there on the elevator. It's it's just an entire series of of, of a lion. You know, you know, I would watch the Twelve Monkeys TV show <laughs> if I explained that. Yeah. So since I've never seen the Twelve Monkeys TV show, I just assume it's a prequel series where the lion goes up to the roof and like that's like the whole <laughs> the lion the, the lion goes up there with a the monkey and the monkey holds the baby. Goes ah, uh, that's what yeah. <laughs> and then every he gets to the floors and like you can't be up here. You're a lion. And then they have to like fight. And it's like it, it's like uh it's like the raid but with a lion. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep hole <laughs> oh oh man i would so watch yeah. that yeah yeah i was gonna say now then you know actually we give away a lot of free ideas on this show uh bruce willis has a huge ass yeah there you go that's just a statement of fact it's not really <laughs> it's not really anything other than that those are the letterbox one-liners for 12 monkeys please follow the show uh on letterbox that's moving extravaganza that's army of the 12 flaccos over there yeah. i of course am conan 12 monkey copters neutron i am all over that biz watching high mid lowbrow and in between and uh doing my best to keep up with all that j andrew bart stan world down over there is watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to or maybe so you can no judgment and uh you can follow him on letterbox as well as well as many of our featured guests uh at co-hosts in absentia etc etc uh jay andrew world please take us with the plugs all right if you're watching us on youtube right now please do those youtube things like comment subscribe hit that bell and of course watch the video to the end that helps us uh find you know uh, be able to uh discover in the algorithm uh uh for for movie fans and it helps you hear a great conan neutron song that's true it is pretty great yeah. <laughs> I gotta outdo it next 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 month. I put the pressure on. Yeah. Um, have we announced next month on... what we're doing next month? I don't think we have. Have we? I don't know. Like, like, I mean, we, we barely even like. I, I I mean, we've said in passing like what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's fine. Continue. Uh, but, but we haven't. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Anyways, follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. Uh, where where you can find us. Uh, find a. When our videos are kind of coming out, uh, you can retruth us. Oh, oh, follow us on. Follow That's us always on funny to me. That's always funny. To me. It'll never not be funny. But you can retruth us on Truth Social. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. We're not on say, oh, Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I might actually sign up for Truth Social just, just to troll the twelve monkeys call where the, the twelve monkeys call when they're in the fucking um the the van and they're like oh 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 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. with that's, Robin Williams all Robin Williams professional coaching. People don't know it. Yeah. People are talking about it more and more, though. Holy shit. Audrey just opened the door with her nose and walked out of the room. <laughs> that was crazy. Didn't care for the bit, apparently. <laughs> it's just crazy whenever you see a dog like use their nose to open the door or something. And it's like, damn, that's like this, that's full resources right there. That's what I presume the lion was doing getting up to that roof. It was like yeah. you know, doing that, but like you know, security <laughs> doors and stuff. So that's why that's why it took a whole season. A whole season yes. all. <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, please, you know, uh, yeah, it helps us out, um, and, uh, gets, uh, gets you, uh, bonus content such as having access to our after parties forever. After party, after party forever. forever. Especially <laughs> right after this. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. 
It'll be fun. Exactly. It'll be nothing but Robin Williams impersonation. So, <laughs> like, oh, hey, this is the, I have a feeling it might be. Yeah, <laughs> this is the after party. We're going around. Oh, look at me. Now I'm over here. I don't know what to do. Is it a regular show? No, it's a different show. It's the after party. Oh, so I know what to do. <laughs> 12 monkeys. They're running through the halls. They're running through the doorway. Oh, look. look I can really handle two of them. They got 12. It's a, it's a whole dozen. Is it a baker's dozen? No, it's just 12 of them. <laughs> it's enough. I swear that's the last time. <laughs> <laughs> but Conan, well, why don't we talk about you so you don't have to do uh, any more yes. questions? Yeah, uh, you got protonic reversal this week, or you had it? Uh, I did. I, I I did yesterday. Yes, uh, Alec yeah, Mackay of uh, Hammered Holes and the Warmers and Ignition, the Faith, um, also Ian's brother. But uh, yeah, uh, Hammered Holes is fantastic and uh, really one of my favorite records of the year, actually. So that that was a great episode. Um, very interesting, intelligent dude, and I highly recommend folks check it out. Yeah, but and you can. Who's, support, who's up next uh, week? I don't remember. <laughs> I'd have to look. <laughs> That's fine, but but you can also, um, if you don't want to wait till we say it on the show, um, you can you can always get on the Patreon for for Protonic Reversal and get that episode before everybody else. Um, so so you will find out. One dollar a month. <laughs> oh, one dollar a month. Go, call it. Go over there. I'm gonna dollar over here. Go over there. Does he accept pennies? I don't know. <laughs> I like. I like how definitely when you when you watch this back, you can definitely like see my eyes go into like. All right, do Robin Williams impression. Nope, don't do it. You can see me trying to yeah. like <laughs> You're use this like one. The, the internal monologue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah. you can, and people can also just like regularly subscribe and stuff too, which I always forget to mention, but uh, I should probably push more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because if you want to go to music interviews, you can still get that for free. Uh, but but uh, yep. subscribing helps out. Conan. It's only a dollar, so, people. Come on, it's a dollar. Yeah. What do you want? It's a dollar. <laughs> but but uh, if you want if you want to give him more money, he has a yes. uh, bandcamp, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, where you can get uh, t-shirts, stickers, magnets, uh, albums, uh, including yeah, dangerous moments right there. I almost pulled the tar box set, which we're definitely not selling. But uh, yeah, there's a vinyl copy of Dangerous Nomenclature nearby. You know, very, yeah. very good. People are talking about it more and more. Action Chief on CD. Especially on this show. Yeah. Especially on this show. I think <laughs> talk about more on this show than like my own show. My own show barely doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and you know, this is the gift-giving season. So, you know, if you got a friend who can really be into uh, solos, you can always get Action Chief just the solos as well. Yep. Especially if How your friend's that? like, you know, I only want solos this holiday season. I don't want like, uh, I don't want, you know, I don't want the whole band playing. Yeah. I just want the solos and I can never find them. Don't and want then, the full arrangement. Yeah. And no. then you're like, well, I have a gift for you. I knew that about you. I knew that you only wanted the solos, So I got you action chief, just the solos. And they're like, oh my God, I didn't know. I didn't know that, no you know, idea. I didn't know you, you were so thoughtful. I didn't know you were listening to me this whole time. And then you say, yeah, I was watching movie night show again. And I, I, I heard, you know. I was there. Exactly. You heard. <laughs> tis, even tis though the she's for solos. You know. Even though she's not here, I do want to say buy Christina a coffee. Go to uh coffee uh go, go to kofianon.com. Yeah. Coffee. Kofianon is the new QAnon and it's the idea. 2012. Let's see, what other jokes did we do last week? Kofi and I is a new QAnon, and it's just the idea that like the UN is gonna take over the one world government. that's basically stranger in a strange land. Sorry. I love I love Island, but yeah, yeah, it's like you really overestimated the UN, my dude. Go ahead. But yeah, if you go to you go to coffee.com. Uh, slash uh, Cosmopolitics. Kofi Anon. And, net. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, help her out, you know, buy her coffee. It's like three bucks. Uh, and it's like, it's like tips. That's what it is. Just the tips. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to put it that way, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to leave it that there. I'm not going anywhere near that. In any yeah. sense of the like, if she was here, we'd have no. Um, <laughs> She'd be once again know. questioning her life decisions, as she seems to do a lot when it yes. comes to the plugs. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's talk about me, because uh, because uh, you can find yeah, me. That's about you. Let's talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, yeah. you should definitely start the bit off that way. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got going on, Andy? Uh, but you, you can find me. Mark the bear join parents. Oh, he's dead. Never mind. <laughs> um but yeah you can find me in new york city next month i'll be part of the uh this is revolution no give them a revolution with uh give them an argument this is revolution and majority report and uh uh left reckoning that's the other that's the name of the show yeah those are all the shows that are like joining forces voltron no, i know style. that's what it is but like what's the actual name of the show are they calling it the same i i literally don't know the answer to this question this is i'm not trying to be a dick. they're called oh, they're okay, calling it listen. give them give them a revolution is the name of what they're yeah, calling yeah that's what they call it in yeah, LA. Like, they call it the same thing okay. yeah right. yeah uh, um, well, the, funny, the funniest, the funniest yeah. thing is that jason, jason that got so mad though. about jason got so mad about this when he put out the flyer or whatever he said give them a revolution in sam cedar's name he got flooded by like angry jimmy door fans like his his like twitter did that were like oh, wow. sam cedar's gonna give us a revolution yeah right you guys are just a bunch of shills who like ukraine or something and then jason was like jason was like this is this is just the name of my live show it's <laughs> I'm exhausted just hearing about that. That sounds terrible. Yeah, he called. He called me and told me about it for an hour. Yeah, it's, I, no, I... <laughs> yeah. He knows what my reaction to that would be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this weekend I'm. That's that's gonna be a great show. That, that and I'll say I'll, I'll goofing around decide that should be really cool. I may be there. We'll see. Yeah, even without me, it's gonna be a great show. <laughs> yes. What are you gonna be doing there? But, are you gonna be gonna be ex explaining? Sci-fi minutiae. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's probably gonna come out and talk about Stargate for 20 minutes. <laughs> this is gonna, gonna parachute in and just like bring up an unrelated topic. <laughs> hey, but did you guys see this? Some, yeah, some, something incredibly distracting. What? Why is he talking about Farscape? <laughs> like, Andy, did you did you do a bunch of cocaine <laughs> and then parachute in again? <laughs> <laughs> guys, well, guys, <laughs> you'll never, it should be you'll never guess what's on there on the roof. Oh, oh, oh. You'll never believe it. I, saw, <laughs> I was watching Star Wars. Did you know, like, just in the same world that Rob, Robin, Robin, Andy Williams? I'm watching Lance, the big CHE. <laughs> J, 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 Robin World. This is, uh, but yeah, this is Robin J, J, Robin's is a guy from Jawbox, and I would be interested in that world. <laughs> All right, but, but I well, did want to also say, uh, stay yeah. tuned out for uh, uh, Give Them an Argument. I'm uh, filming this weekend uh, something to do with art. So it'll be something a little different, but uh, hopefully, yeah. you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this turns out. I, I don't know, it was a big experiment, but but uh, I hope you know, whatever that is, you're really selling it. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, no, but gonna we're going to be, be right, talking about the, the work of Leonard uh, Baskin, and, and uh, hopefully this will the be. The works of Carol uh, Baskin. Right. I remember this bit. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully this is, good, this is going to work out. I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. And, uh, uh, you know, hey. Oh, me guys, too. Just you, like this bit. Just like this bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully. hopefully How's it going to land this plane? No, no. Let's let's find out together. Andy, Andy's <laughs> going to be starring in All the King's all Fish. The King. <laughs> J. Andrew World. In a role you will not believe. <laughs>
Oh. Ah. <laughs> Andrew World and Robin Williams are buddy cops, and it's the all the kings. All the all kings. The kings fish have gone. The kings fish have gone missing. You know me. Two of the world's best cops can help find them. Andrew like, World and Robin like medieval cops. Like they're like cops, but like medieval times, but not like the thing with the land. Or there, or there, uh, or there, employees at medieval times that work security. And... <laughs> okay, no, I like that better. Too bad he's dead. We totally pitches to him. Yeah, yeah. You got bad takes coming up next week too, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, bad takes. We're doing um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Which uh, the artwork, I, I just gotta fill in our names, and that's the last bit. I gotta find the right font for that. So, so I had to stop because I did this. I'm going to be on that one for us. That's why that's relevant. Oh, all right. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was you finally invited me on after like a yeah, year. Yeah. For, for, yeah. David Bowie. I mean, come on. It's, it's a David Bowie movie. And he tricked me into watching apparently a Christmas movie or at least a Christmas movie. Yeah. Time. And it has something to do with Mishima too. So so it's going to be wild. I, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. This is, uh, I, I, this is technically a Christmas movie too. This is like a like, thing. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's going to be. Gonna be it's like Die Hard. Wait, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be yeah, it'll be Christmas when this fucking bit is over. <laughs> Which it's done. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Conan, I want to hear those final thoughts. Uh, you know, uh, call in. Uh, let let me know what's going on. And uh, <laughs> you are on the air. You got a neutron in Milwaukee. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I said most of it in the course of the show, but uh, there's a lot of remarkable things about this movie. There's a lot of classic Terry Gilliam signature things um it's it's deeply entertaining incredible character work from uh brad pitt especially but bruce willis is also fantastic in this i like they both had something to prove and that they chose to prove with one of the weirdest movies possible and it was a huge hit and it's fantastic because of that it's also fantastic because as i mentioned many times you can watch this again and again and like you get so deeply invested in the characters that you think it's going to turn out differently somehow just like they do and that is a suspension of disbelief that a lot of movies aspire to and do not ever get to and this is um i can't say it's my favorite terry gilliam in a world with brazil but it's definitely up there and i think it's wild underrated and as an apocalypse movie which ostensibly this movie is about it's very interesting because the apocalypse is both omnipresent and incidental and that's a, also a, a fine beam to walk as well. Yeah. All right. Andy, let's hear those, those final, final thoughts. Yeah. You know, I have to say, it's, uh, I find it strange that uh, in 1996, we did have a plague. Uh, that plague was the Macarena. And um... <laughs> <laughs> this would be, if we had that bit of uh, Hillary Clinton doing the Macarena with all the, the that would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But but uh, no, I, I uh, absolutely love this movie. I love the the, the aesthetics of it uh, so much. Like I've spent so much time trying to draw out of my head, uh, like like the pipes and the 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 the, the yeah. feel for it for uh, you know stuff and, and uh, comics I was making in high school. Um, it, to me, this was like the next logical step of like those weird techno backgrounds that like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld would have in their uh, their their X Men right. comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just um, unidentified just technology like, in the background somehow. It's like, oh yeah, it looks yeah. Cool. Right. yeah. It, it, it just yeah, it, this was the next logical step in my mind. Uh, was uh, the the pipes and the dark tunnels and and whatnot. So uh, you know, all, all it's up there for, with for, the, uh, the the factory that only produces sparks. Uh, from the, from the eighties music videos and and action movies. Was like, what are they producing yes. in this factory? Sparks, clearly. Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> Every time yeah. walks in, hey, you think how Sparks <laughs> came from uh, from nowhere? No, he came from one of those factories. 
Look, all right, American manufacturing is going away. The only thing we know how to do is hit things together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, point, point, point taken. There, there's some America incredible anymore. <laughs> there's some there's some great set design here, as, as are with most Gilliam stuff. Yeah, and the costumes too, just like next level of the future, like like the um yeah. the the weird hodgepodge of like the weird fish suits and and see through clothing and fish all, all just those fish things. fish. Yeah. Did you say fish? <laughs> we have to find oh, them. We have oh. to find all the king's fish. There's twelve of oh, them. Oh, oh, oh the those are the monkeys. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, you gotta help me. The king's fish have gone missing. Oh. I started. I started all the fish's cocaine. They're coming for me now. We we I'll, you, you gotta hide me. If we keep talking about this, I swear someone's gonna be like, I think I've seen that movie. I'm like, no, you haven't. It's just a bit. The, he's, he's like, oh, oh, it seems look, so the fish, plausible. The fish oh, are like, the I fish found are it. Like, Ow, oh, I found it. Oh no, it's coming to get me. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for more of that mirth and merriment for the after party. <laughs> With Absolutely. alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> with the addition of alcohol, which will only make things more pliant. I'm sure that'll make things great. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh was that it, yeah. Andy? What, what anything else? Yeah, oh also just, just one more thing, just the lighting too. Like like the way they always saw yeah. three quarter with the faces. Uh, I can't tell you like like uh uh because of this and the X Files, because because they came out right around the same time, more or less. X Files a little bit before this, but I think they started doing the, the lighting like this uh after this movie. Um, heavily, like, like, uh, I just spent so much time drawing those, those, uh, you know, that, that lighting and the three quarter face, you know, three quarter yeah, shadow, good use of shadow and like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So just, just, you know, uh, I love that. And, and I just spent so much time like trying to, uh, uh, ape the aesthetic, um, in, in different ways. Hey, and you hey, kind of see that. There's a whole planet <laughs> of them. <They're laughs> of apes. Oh, oh, you gotta help me. All my apes gone. I'm the only person. There's just a bunch of apes around. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, he's, he's... all all my apes gone. The fucking NFT Robin Williams movie. He's like, you gotta help me. You gotta help me. They they hacked the system. All my apes gone. Oh, they made a patient proclamation. Abraham Lincoln. They're just all connected people. Abraham Lincoln. But yeah, no, I, I just just love this movie. The fact that it's stuck into my artwork, uh, you know, really. It's gonna be like I dodge a bullet with this one. No I can't stop with this. <laughs> you know, I'm on topic. Um, but yeah, yeah, just just love the love the visuals in this thing, uh, and, and there's just so much to to really, you know, we, you could do actually an entire episode just talking about like the the visuals, uh, but we're not going to because. We can do well, an entire episode in character as Robin Williams talking about the visuals. And how I was going to say, for all I know, that's what we're going to talk about in the after party. Yeah. Um, guys, are you ready for this? You know, we'll be back in like 15, 20 minutes with the after party. And I am now sending us to uh, the third quarter of 1996. <laughs>